Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Tom Finn podcast. If you're new to the podcast, uh, I'm Tom Finn and what I do is sort of talk to different creative industry people and professionals and things and just talk to them about their lives, their careers, how they got to where they are now and through that I sort of find little nice helpful bits of advice and things um, for people like me who are maybe newly graduates or they're still at uni or they're trying to break into the creative media industry somehow and they are maybe lost or just need that help in hand and I think these podcasts are quite helpful for that kind of thing and they're also just nice to have interesting conversations with um, cool people so yeah anyway episode five's guest is John Blythe. John, also known as Log, in case I called him that in this episode, is a writer and critic. He wrote for various computer and video game magazines, including PC Zone, Official Xbox Magazine, Eurogamer, and IGN. He also wrote a blog called Law of the Playground, which ended up being made into a Talking Heads TV show for Channel 4. I remember watching this with my dad. It actually taught me about what an orgasm was at quite a young age, so... I'm sure that John was is quite pleased about that. He made a handful of videos called the OXM Breakdown for the official Xbox magazine, which were very inspiring for me at the time. He currently runs a pub in Nottingham called King William IV, or the King Billy, as well as being one of the members of the Regular Features podcast, along with Matt Lees, Gavin Murphy, Steve Hogarty, and Joe Scribbles. I first met John at a regular Features live show back in 2016 at the Canal Cafe in London. Begin the podcast with a story from that very night. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Blythe. I actually have a story um, that I want to start off with that that involves you and regular Features. (laughs) So me and my friend came to see you live at the Canal Cafe? Yes. Yes. I, Do you remember? I, I remember we did a, we did a few gigs at the Canal Cafe, mm. and um, I remember I certainly remember having met you before, yes. but I'm not the details of the story to which you were about to tell. No. Well, it, the story is mainly after the fact, so it's it's okay, you're safe, don't worry. Okay. Um, we had a good time. I remember we first walked in, and we said to each other, wouldn't it be funny if that someone, one of them just walked down the stairs and then Steve just walked down the stairs and that freaked us out because to you, for us, you guys were like, I like celebrities in a way, if that makes sense. <laughs> I know it's weird to hear. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's <laughs> not good. Um, I don't know how to respond without sounding like either an egregious prick or a <laughs> fake humble arsehole. Yeah. No, it, yeah, I get it. There's, it's there's, there's some people who aren't famous who feel famous to me just because I listen to them all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, especially at the time as well, because it was constantly listening to all of them over and over again. And Steve walked down and was like, oh, and he sort of just gave us the this sort of awkward face to us. For the readers, he pursed his lips and cocked his head back a little. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a good time. And then we were drinking and my friend was like, right, we should stop here because we're both at a good level. And I was like, yes, we won't have any more because we know that will tip us over the edge. And then I w- wanted to meet you, and I was too nervous. And I think I was standing with like Gav and people, and someone was just like, "Fucking go!" and just pushed me. <laughs> too nervous to meet me, but you were hanging around with Gav yeah. like he was a nobody. <laughs> Gav, was, I don't know the curly hair, um, the guy who has gone on to make a twenty grand <laughs> Patreon. Yeah, I know. Can't, can't talk about that. Um, 
Well, no, it's like that because at the very beginning, me and my friend were standing there awkward, like, uh, I don't know any of these people. And then Gav just walked straight up to us and was like, hey, who are you? Meet these people and just introduced us. So he instantly got us Kyle and, because you were my favorite, um, <laughs> you were my favorite. Um, I was like too nervous and anxiety. And then I uh, drunk and someone just pushed me and told me to get out to go find you. So I came out and found you. And we spoke for ages and it was when you got punched in the face. At the pub. Oh, when I t- when I was doing the live show with, with my face black all yeah, yeah. black top. No, 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 no. That is the wrong phrase. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's why I'm nervous about talking because I say shit like that. <laughs> Just, yeah, I was. Yeah, I came more scarred, didn't I? Yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. Like I. Um, and we spoke for ages about that for quite a while, and then I came back in, and my friend was fucked, and he was like, "Someone brought me a drink." Hey. <laughs> Um, so then he was he was in a in a state after that, and then this wasn't the guy who collapsed and became completely unconscious, was it? No. Oh, that, that happened, happened another time. Oh my god! Does that happen frequently? Well, I think I don't know. I just assumed he was on drugs or something because he was absolutely far gone. But like, I'm glad that wasn't your friend. No. Um, <laughs> on drugs. Yeah, on <laughs> you drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think just assume all these people are on drugs or something. <laughs> okay, we, we left. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to get home back to Bedfordshire. And he had it in his head that all he needed was a cigarette. He was like, I just need a cigarette. And he doesn't smoke, but he was like, I need a cigarette. Mm. I was like, fine. I was like, can we do that as well as leave at the same time? And he was like, sure. So I had to, I managed to get back to the station and he found like an underground, like, little marquee thing brought his cigarettes he was happy I was like great we've done it we can now get home he then wanted to smoke it on the train so I kept going no no batting it away he was like no it'll be fine it'll be fine the whole trip home through the underground uh, back to King Cross Station he was trying to smoke it I stole the cigarette at one point and he got so angry with me he's not like this at all (laughs) Um, but just one drink and it tips him over the edge and he it got to the point where I told him, I'm so annoyed with you, I want to punch you in the face. I've never had a fight or even wanted to hit anyone before, and I was furious. But when him. people are beyond reason like that, yeah, it's like just dealing with a baby, and I can yeah. very, very much understand <laughs> all violence against babies. Yes. <laughs> well, you, you can see in their eyes, their eyes are just glazed over, and they're just like, what? I don't understand what you mean, I want a cigarette. Yeah, the five-second loop of a conversation that you just get stuck in, yeah. and you're still abiding by the rules of sobriety where you try and think of a different thing to say to yeah. them because you don't like repeating yourself. And then he got to the point where he left. He went for a piss and I was like, okay, he's going to start smoking. I can't stop him. He's going outside. That's fine. Came back in sort of smoking. He was like, hey. and I was like, what <laughs> <laughs> Finally got him back onto the train and he, it was a packed train. So we were sitting on the four seater and they had people next to us and he was lying back with his feet up on the other side next to me, just tapping his foot on the side of the train in like a quiet train, just going uh, uh, on the whole way back. So Is was, there anything he could do to make me hate him more? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel bad because he's going to hear this and go, oh. but I did ask permission and he was like, fine. Um, so that carried I'm on. I'm sure I would have loved him previous to that You point. did. You did love him. At oh, the time. cool, cool. It was, it was great. Um, and then... 
Finally, people left enough for it to be like a quiet train, and then he tried to get me to run up and down the train with him because it was really fun. Now this is charming again. Yeah, now. that was that. I did join him with that. I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> if this makes you happy. I'll run up and down the train with you. We got back home. I I went back home, and he he tried to make me come to Tesco with him. And was like, I'm going home. I'm going to kill you. This is, has to be the end of it. So I left. I then got a call the next day saying what happened, and I explained to him. He forgot most of it. In the night, he went up, went to his dad's door, pissed on his dad's door, thinking it was the toilet. His dad came out and was like, what the fuck? And he was like, what? I'm going to the toilet. And he went to bed. Oh, no, the toilet turned into my dad's (laughs) legs. (laughs) Dad, get out of the toilet. Um, Since then, we've never listened to an episode of Regular Features because he, he had this weird thing with it where he was like I can't listen to it without feeling immense guilt and shame and then it affected me and I'll try to listen to it and all I could think about was that feeling that's over a year ago man you've missed out on some solid gold features (laughs) and it's upsetting (laughs) I've listened back recently I was like well I need to listen to some if I'm going to do this podcast in case there's a reference I don't understand Um, oh yeah I'll I'll be dropping loads of in jokes (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so I that's just a little story to let you know what's going on I'm in my so life. sorry that <laughs> what we saw was so nice and mm. things happened immediately after that stopped you listening. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to get back into it. There's, a, there's okay. other things in the world you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I still use Juicy Susan. There you go. Let's, let's, right. let's in references no one understands. <laughs> Juicy Susan's funny. Juicy Susan. <laughs> that was I my Steam name for about a year. Oh, it current. It was one of my aliases as well. Oh, really? That's a fantastic. I didn't know. It's good. It's a good name. Well, that's... has sort of a Bob Mortimer, like, thing to it, of the just the yeah. two names together. It was just a throwaway I did in one episode. Just the idea that Juicy Susan exists outside of time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, I think we did go back and edit a couple of previous episodes to just have Juicy Susan whispered yeah. inside it. <laughs> it's good. It's my favourite one. There's an early episode where you're talking. Someone's talking about how to cheat the um, self-service bit. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And um, someone pretends to be the self-service and says, "That's an awfully big croissant." That makes me laugh. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> And then there's one where someone's got chapped lips and you said, Oh, kissy better. That's funny. <laughs> it's these throwaway lines that really get me every Yeah, time. because they're throwaway. They don't sort of like really stick in my head. It's just like <laughs> the thing you say in the minute. They're better than any of the long scripts that I laboured over for an hour on the train on the way into London. <laughs> I did. I grew up. We're currently in a pub in Snenton called the King William IV, the pub I run now. This was the pub that I was always walked past on the way from the pub I was brought up in, the Fox, which is now Slister's. Right. And this was the pub that you didn't go in. You okay. do not you do not go in the King Billy. They said to me as a twelve year old who just wanted to play Gallagher in the in the arcade. Yeah. So it was um yeah, it a violent fighting pub. But this is sort of now a real ale pub that we run mm. but yeah this is my patch even though that I am sentenced quite a sort of salt with the earth place and I was sent to school for the first two years of my life when my parents were rich in a private school 
So at the age of four, I was like learning French and being told to talk properly. Okay. So I kind of never really, it was always a kind of, it was only the fact that I was the landlord of the best pub's son that I think I didn't get fucking pasted right. every day for being yeah. a snotty little shithead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a, so yeah, I'm from here, but sort of not entirely of it. Yeah. This pub, this pub does have that when I first walked in. I get nervous walking to new pubs anyway. I don't know if you have that feeling. First time I go into a new pub, I'm like, yeah. I don't belong here. Oh, I'm okay. Our pub looks kind of um, forbidding and traditional from the outside anyway. It's got those frosted windows that were designed yeah. to stop people being able to walk past and see who was inside. So you'd, from the days when men just wanted to hide from their wives. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> this is the, the kind of pub that All Bar One with its clear glass was designed to not be like, yes, <laughs> to yeah. be more welcoming to women, basically. Right. We get a good mix these days, but it's um, very much looks like a pub from the 1800s, yeah. which it is. <laughs> after, so how long did you go to private school for? Just for a couple of years? Oh, the, the money ran out after about 18 months. So then I went to a comp, which is like, well, I learned to have two voices. Right. <laughs> I quickly learned not to talk in a way that would get me punched. Yeah. So it, it worked. It was a good choice. It's always useful to have more than one voice. Yeah. So you, Where did the money come from and where did it go? Uh, my Cotton Eye Show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. <laughs> oh, wait, if he doesn't say it, we can move on. <laughs> uh, the money came from the pub. Um, running a pub in the 70s was... Um, really one of the more lucrative things you could do in in our position in our standing in society yeah, right yeah um, but it was like the money ran out when I think my father stopped running the pub for a while because okay. my mum said it's either me or that pub yeah and she won for about a year before we went back I always thought you grew up in this pub I don't know why I thought you like inherited it um, I, case. we've my family have had this pub for 12 years oh okay um, my dad's been around the whole era the Fox was the pub he had that's now a solicitor's. He converted the Bunkers Hill into a pub in the 90s, and I ran that with him for a few years. Right. And then I went to London to become a, a, a writer of the, uh, bullshit. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's, and meanwhile, he said in Nottingham and did a couple of other pubs. This is the pub we ended up in 12 years ago, and I started working here five years ago with my dad, and he died a couple of years ago, and now. This fucking building's all on me. <laughs> it's like, so have you always have you been like a pub family always? Yeah, have you never. One of those kids never that have always died from pub to pub. I've always been a, absolutely at home in pubs, and yeah. I've um, but it's I wouldn't call it a pub family, and that obviously my mum's hates the idea of working in a pub, right. so she's always been background support. Okay. Uh, my sister-in-law, my brother tried running a pub with my dad, but the combination of my dad being an absolute horror to work with, right. he's a a difficult man and a constant source of stress to the, to those who loved him. <laughs> In any specific way? Um, you know, sort of people who have their triggers that sort of set, set the red mist coming down. Okay. So I knew the triggers and I knew how to step around them. Right, yeah, yeah. But watching people who are slightly more oblivious to my dad's yeah. angry foibles would be kind of difficult because I'd be like I'd just go rigid and tense saying, oh shit, is that going to blow him up? Yeah, yeah. It was in like, I... When we were running the Bunkers Hill together, there was a, a few people I just bumped into in town and said, I hadn't seen you at the pub recently. 
And they said, yeah, we were just talking. Your dad came storming over saying, did you call me a cunt? <laughs> yeah. And like, and they was like, no. <laughs> so we stopped coming in. <laughs> so, so that's the battle I was fighting. That's one of the reasons I left the bunkers in like early 2000s because oh, I can't, this is yeah. doing my anxiety rotten. Yeah. And why not try starting a career as a comedy writer? I can't see any sort of mental <laughs> stress there. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a, that's a skill I've learned over the years of, a lot of people don't have it of knowing how to talk to people. You get a lot of people that have arguments as well, but they're just not listening. It's like, well, I just know what they want to hear mm. and like how they want to hear it rather than what you're saying is fine, but you need to know how to speak to that person. Is that something you've gained from that, you think? It's something that I occasionally have. I've got some blind spots, as in I do sometimes find the heckles rising and I realise I'm just saying indignant and being a bit whiny and right i just find my ears shutting down and i'm just yeah. talking in a diatribe and i hate myself <laughs> while i'm doing it yeah. but i've got to say it <laughs> it's yeah that's if there's one thing i could change about myself it would be that right. <laughs> that that whole masculine rocking yeah gotta tell you what i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's yeah, it's rare, it's rarely right, or, and it's rarely empathetic with the things you're saying. Then, like, right? you're, you're never considering the other person. Well, not when you're not in that mode. You're never going to convince them. I had that with teachers. I would always have it with, especially like later college and union things. If I made a teacher laugh once in my head, I'm like, that's it. I've got them. Yeah, <laughs> you laugh all the time, and then you fuck it up, and you're just like, Ugh. oh, you went too far. Yeah, and you crumble, and you just either it's like too far it might be offensive to them or it's just in like a weird place that you're just like going off on and then you see they're just not really listening and have that look and you're like, oh, I should stop talking now, should yeah. I? Yeah. Did you ever get cut down size by the dreaded phrase, stop showing off? Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's such an easy put down. It's the same as telling someone that you like, you're killing it and like, oh, you've killed that joke now. Or yeah. something like that. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm nothing. Yeah, you're right. Oh God. It's awful. That is harsh. Mm. But it's good if you can roll with it. If you can actually say, yeah, I guess I did. I fucking, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'll kill the others one too. So <laughs> if you laugh again, I'll ruin it. Yeah. How was school life for you? How, how early do you want? All. Any and all. Well, oof. there was a brief period of being bullied. Right. But by a guy whose names I still know and I have looked up on Facebook. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, his name was James Pates. Hello, James. Hope you're <laughs> listening. And he would just um, call me Pansy Pufter. With insight, I don't know where I got it from. I was pre-puberty. We're all, you're all, everyone's gay before puberty, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> just, That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, girls are disgusting. I just want to bum my friends. <laughs> um, but I got out of that just quite by chance because I was stubbornly, I sometimes don't let them know that they're hurting you. So he'd just right. be punching me in the face. I go, that didn't hurt. Yeah, I can't feel that. And one time he did it and he just backed off huh. and just left me alone. Yeah. And I sort of just walked into the pub, into the pub, sorry, <laughs> into the school. And I saw, I saw my face in the mirror. My face was absolutely covered in blood, so I must have actually looked like a fucking total psycho. psycho. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, I can't feel it's anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like a fly landed on me. <laughs> oh, and um, yeah, after that, yeah, he just kind of left me alone, which was nice. So that does work. Just bleed a lot on your <laughs> enemy is my is my tip. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's 
I didn't learn anything from being bullied apart from maybe don't bully anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I was never bullied. Ex- I wouldn't call it bullying, but just a sort of general... Everyone would take the piss, if that makes sense. Like, a yes. lot of people would just call you names for no reason. Oh, that was primary school. Right. Yeah, secondary school, I was never sort of participated in the bullying, but I would sit back and enjoy some of the creativity of some of the insults. Yeah. Never the ones that just calling people fat. Yeah. It's just the basic insults, but just people would make up things like, like you know, you, you just got a sponge bath off her. <laughs> she she gave you a sponge bath. <laughs> and it's like, I, how? It's I a don't good get image. it. <laughs> <laughs> and, Why um, would that happen? How would they get the sponge bath? And that's it. And then there's um, Wayne, who had got his, who was called Timothee for a while because he fucked a shampoo bottle. Right. And it's just, I love <laughs> All that stuff was. Basically, one went into making Lord the playground just because it was trying to try. I really enjoyed the creativity that was it was cruel because it was still singling someone out and making them the center of negative attention. But I was laughing at the images of just someone sitting down there getting something that I associated SpongeBob for old people (laughs) who can't move. So, what's going on? (laughs) They're not a sexual thing. (laughs) I had it where because I wouldn't have. Too many friends, and then if if I could make friends by making some fun of someone else, I would just do it. I'd be like, oh, cool, they like yeah. me now. Yeah. yeah, just like easy insults, and then afterwards, like a few years later, you'd be like, oh god, and you'd want to apologise, but you're like, it's definitely too late to apologise to this person now, is it? I don't know. Yeah, there's one guy at school who got it worse than anyone else, and like, I don't know what I'd do going back in the same because like, I was too busy trying not to come across like the pansy puffer. I'm still getting called gay by girls but right. now then now these days with more evidence to back it up because i was just i realized i was gay when i was like 10 years old and knew at that when i was that age that well what are you gonna do you're not gonna start having sex are you just hide it yeah you don't, you yeah. don't need to be I, I never ever talk about that sort of thing yeah people start noticing that around 15 16 oh, okay so you have to because you're not talking about it you must yeah. be gay well luckily i managed to fall in with a group of lads who just didn't seem was more interested in fannying around and just joking and drinking on the park than yeah. hanging around with girls so just falling with the late bloomers if you want to hide your sexuality that's what I say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good those people exist at school they're hard to find but you'll find people that are like yeah cool that's yeah. sort of the end of it and we would, there's one of us who started being sexual with girls and it was like we shamed him for it like how fucking dare you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you hide it for? I hid it until um, university, basically. I went, I told my mum the night before I went to Manchester University and she was all upset, but not for any other reason than I just want your life to be easy. Yeah. And like, yeah, the best possible reason to be upset, yeah, but still yeah. like, not yeah. disappointed because you're gay, but I'm disappointed because it's going to be hard for you now. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then my grandmother... I'd rather you be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather you be happy. And being gay is kind of a sentence for lifelong misery. <laughs> no, I've been very, very lucky ever since then. Never really had any uh, negative reaction in that regard. Mm. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, gay, white, male. The second most privileged group on earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so were you good at school? I was pretty natural, never inclined to hard work, and that paid off throughout A-levels. It was only at university when I realised that my laziness and 
early my budding alcoholism would stop me from being successful. Right. So yeah, I, a law degree ended up with a two one because they rounded up by half a percentage because I wrote a really passionate essay in gender and law, right. which got me my only first. <laughs> so, and they thought, well, he's shown improvement. Let's give him a two one. Yeah, yeah. But I've not done anything with that law degree. I do not want to take part in the law at all. It's so. Did you have English? Were you always good at English, or was it just like I was, I was used to law? I used to like maths more than English. It's only right. then it was, in, it was only when I started reading sort of fancy books and started. Yeah, that was my kind of tying fancy books with my sexual awakening. Then I started like reading like loads of fancy, like always drawn to the barbarian characters. <laughs> I've been reading the Witcher books at the moment. The misogyny is is evident. In right. Those. I don't know how much you've if you've read. I've them. never read the books, but didn't the Witcher have collectible women in the games? <laughs> Probably. I've just started saying the games, but it's the way that in the books the women are either really ugly or really beautiful. And he'll go into great detail about like their pointed breasts and things like that. It's uh, kind of uncomfortable to read. Well, the books are good. Is there ever a kind of illusionist hag who makes you believe she's beautiful and then she tricked you? Yeah, she was a trap. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, there's yeah. a lot of that. Uh, oh, misogyny. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I didn't um, really pick up on that because I was my own version of misogyny was just not paying any attention to all any of the female characters and just focusing right. on the dwarf with the barrel chest. <laughs> <laughs> just like, seriously. The phrase barrel chested actually made me stop reading a book once to go and play with myself. <laughs> I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> How do you go from law degree to writing about games? Were you always into video games from an early age? The video games, I didn't go directly into writing about video games. There was no. a, I was writing, my first paid writing job was with um, Zepatron, uh, the, the place that was, what did they first do? It was a company set up by um, Charlie Brooker, Ben Cudell, Peter, somebody and um, another somebody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong four. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I do know their names and they're all very nice people, but they make things like eight out of 10 cats and right, okay. sort of obviously Black Mirror started off around there. Um, I wrote loads of sort of jokes for TV Go Home. Okay. Just emailed in because I had my own website at the time. So I was just, my, all of my writing until that point had just been a website that I kept myself and sort of like, I feel like I need to rewind a little bit. Sure. When I first started the website in about 1997 right. and the way to get your website noticed back then was to register in the Yahoo directory under UK comedy. And my site was in there along with a lot of other sites called like Emporium of Fruit, Idiotica, I think Idiotica was in there. Um, Gorilla Salad was another one. These were the 19, late 1990s websites okay. that I ended up emailing all of them and saying, hello, can I do something for your site, please? <laughs> yeah. I like writing, but it's just a bit lonely over here on my own. <laughs> and some of those people I'm still friends with, like I'm... Uh, Simon Swatman, I ended up working alongside him, writing stuff together. He did Emporium of Fruit. Um, Gideon Defoe, who was one of the characters behind Gorilla Salad, went on to write Pirates and an Adventure with Scientists, okay. which got turned into an Ardman a movie. Yeah. 
and um, just there was a lot of talent in the sort of that little subsection of Yahoo, the category, right. the directory. Was it good because it was a smaller world at the time, do you think? Yeah, I, I think good search engines have made it much more difficult to do any sense of community. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that point was just really exciting because I was meeting just loads of people who just like writing comedy and just like funnying about. Right. Um, but one of the things I did during this period was send emails to TV Go Home as well, which I didn't know was written by Charlie Brooker because he started doing it as an anonymous thing because it didn't want it to threaten his job as a presenter on, I think it was BBC Digital or something at the time. Right, yeah. So um, he's, Charlie Brooker was kind enough to pay me back for all the, well, pay me back, in multi, over pay me back right. for all the sort of staff little jokes I wrote for him for when he set up Zeppotron with his friends and they got a contract to write content for three mobile phones. So this is 2003. Um, they needed lots of throwaway sort of video content for 30 seconds because it was the first time that video was a viable thing on mobile phones. Okay. So that was my job for about a year is producing hundreds of 30 second bits of shit. Yeah. It's the first time I'd ever written to a brief and it's... I found out it was very hard to do. I couldn't yeah. do it. After about 18 months of that, I literally could not tell what was and wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> I, I know this has got the f shape of a joke. Is it a joke? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I guess it was. So before you were just, you were just coming up with your own stuff. This is the first time, like, this is what you need to talk about. Yes. They, it didn't help that we were sort of three mobile wanted edgy content. They wanted, that's why they came to Zepatron, these people who made this sort of like, ooh, new yeah. sort of stuff like oh you did that show called cunt didn't you oh yeah that's brilliant <laughs> yeah and um the, the list of things we couldn't do ended up with us just writing skits to test if we could do things right and it got to the point where i had someone tap a robot dog on the nose gently with a newspaper and it got rejected i think because it was copyable by children <laughs> <laughs> Right. It's a yeah. So there's the 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 amount of filters, sort of like because for acceptability, we had three mobile phones rejecting things because they weren't acceptable. Mm. And between them and us, we had the creative directors of Zepatron who killed things that weren't funny. Rightly so. That's a good job. <laughs> good yeah, job. Yeah, you need yeah. to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. But the things that could get through those two fucking punch cards were very very few and far between. Yeah. Where did you go from there then? Uh, I, at that point, I kind of, they didn't renew a contract, but I just went into, um, I started, I went to join a temp agency and I started administrating a cervical screening course at Trent Valley Thames Valley University. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, I had a box full of rubber vaginas and stuff that I would send out to nurses and they would use it to do mock cervical screening okay. on um, before they were let into the wards to do it on real people. Right. Any reason you did that? <laughs> your attempt. You do what you you do. You go where you're sent. Okay. <laughs> so did, is that is that when you moved to London? I was in. I was already in London then. I just joined a temp agency in London because I can type fast and I know where all the shortcuts are on Word and that gets you a job. Yeah, if yeah, you join Brook yeah. Street, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then after that. 
that was when I started doing my blog, which sort of was, I don't know, it wasn't popular as such, but it entertained the few friends I had who did it. And right. one of those friends turned out to work for computer and video games. He followed it for a while and told me to apply for a job at PC Zone when I when one came up okay. and I got that. Was the blog disappointment? Uh, the blog was blog, uh, yeah, blog.disappointment.com, yeah. So then you went into PC Zone, did you say? PC Zone, yeah. How was that? Weirdly, where Charlie Brooker used to work. So right. Charlie Brooker was on the up and up and I was just receding. Yeah. It, feels, it felt like a River Song sort of thing where I, we intersected <laughs> yeah. first. Yeah. Now I'm just going to go backwards through your life. <laughs> yeah, so PC Zone was, um, in its heyday, it was wildly popular, hundreds of thousands sales. Mm. When I joined it, more like 30,000 mark and... And I, when it finally ended, it was in the high teens. Right. It was, yeah, magazines were dying because future publishing are shit and do not care or understand about magazines. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> Video game journalism and internet comedy seemed to be a thing that went hand in hand in like the late 90s. Would that be right? Video game and some comedy stuff. Yeah, like comedy writing and and video game journalism seem to sort of. I think people be joined. Yeah, it was weird. It's like I'm not sure why that was. No, but you do get people who write and who are only interested in video games, and you can tell they're writing from someone who's maybe interested in other things primarily, but also enjoys and appreciates video games. Yeah, it's weird if you're stuck in one topic that it kind of. Yeah, it's nice if you can take the piss out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like because it's a it's a subject that is inherently ridiculous. Yeah, is that how you found it when you were writing video games? Do you feel like, well, I don't want to just talk about video games. Let's play with it a bit. Well, yeah, you just, you just make. I never thought of myself as a critic. Oh, I never thought of myself as a journalist at all because right. there are standards in journalism, and I never aspire to having standards okay. <laughs> I don't I see myself as a critic eh, that critic does kind of imply that you're analysing something right. I, I was just a fucking entertainer I just wanted yeah. I, I'll tell you about games I'll give you information I'll tell you about my experiences and I will put jokes in there right and that's all I want to do and it kind of worked it's a, it, it resonates with me more than most of those kind of things because when, when I read them after the first paragraph I know if I'm bored or not Mm. And when I read your stuff, I would be entertained for it, the whole thing. And it would go off into little like side jokes and stuff, which would, how my brain would do it if I read it, mm. if that makes sense. So it, it worked for me. And I guess uh, it probably worked with a lot of people. I enjoyed doing it. And it was like working for magazines. There were so many fewer filters between yourself and the final product. The only thing you'd get was a sub-editor who knew you'd been hired for your voice. So they weren't going to change your voice. But if you wrote too many words the first thing to go out would be the jokes. Right. So I was writing, I'd always write a little bit under so I could add a joke rather than get my jokes okay. taken out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how long did you work for PC Zone for? Um, what, that, I do not know. First, about three, four years maybe. Okay. Then that ended and I went freelance and I came back to PC Zone just as it was dying. Right. Because I wanted to be there for the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where did you go from after that? Oi, Freelance? I did do a bit of stint of freelance, but well, I sort of wrote for Eurogamer, Edge, and sort of IGN. Right. 
and that was fun, but I kind of loved the work more than I like maintaining a database of the work I've done and whether I've invoiced and been paid for it. Okay. So that kind of had to stop because I was losing money and I couldn't work out where it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even if I invoiced someone like Future Publishing on time, their payment sort of was 60 days. So like, that's a long time to be sitting on someone's money. Yeah. And it's the turns out it's the same in brewing, Castle Rock, Nottingham's biggest sort of um, brewer. If you buy from them, payment terms are 14 days. They buy from you, 60 days. Fuck you, we're big. Yes. <laughs> yeah, rude. How did you meet the regular features lot then? That was, you know that whole thing I was saying about it was nice to do something that, well, in video games it's nice when you're interested in other things as well. Mm. That was, me and Steve both worked on PC Zone. Matt, we met later on when he came to work on Official Xbox Magazine. I forgot to say that I worked on Official Xbox Magazine for a long time. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> yes. You did a bunch of videos and stuff for them, right? Yes, Xbox. yes. Yeah. I knew there was something I missed that. No, yeah, I, I've got a feeling that there's a big gap there. Yeah. But I, Matt used to work in PR for Activision or some company that did PR for Activision. And then we convinced him to join us because we liked his writing and that videos. Right. And he's obviously gone and made a name of himself down that route now. He's just yeah. fucking brilliant at making the videos he's doing for Shut Up and Sit Down now are just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, and the other person was Gav who was working yeah. on um, official Nintendo magazine and we just were sick of writing about video games and wanted to do something else. Right. Which is why regular features is very, very rarely about video games, except when we're trying to steal a cheap award at a video games right, yeah, broadcast yeah. show. <laughs> okay, well, okay, let's go back to Xbox Magazine, because mm -hmm. the videos you did for them were very inspiring for me at the time. Oh, the OXM Breakdown? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, I, I, well, I was watching Screenwipe at the time, and I was watching your uh, Xbox videos. So I wanted to make something like that. I was like, I want to do something, but I like films, so let's do a film one. And I made those like weird podcorn videos, and there was that time I sent you one. And you don't know how fucking much I hated myself when I did that. It's that, it, it, talking about imposter syndrome, I was just like, why did I do that? I spent ages like, okay, I'll just send it to him. Oh no! And I had to Oh God, did I reply? You did reply. Oh, thank God for you that. Reply. Don't worry. Because I am terrible at things like that because like, some people have sent me a script and I said, oh, I'd love to read that script. And then I get the fear of reading it thinking, what if I don't like it? Yeah, what yeah. if I, how will I tell them? You, you Well, you didn't reply straight away. You, you read it and then didn't reply. And then I had a heart attack. I was like, classic. Oh, I need to tell him, don't worry if you don't want to watch it, it's fine. Um, and then you were like, I will watch it. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh no, he's going to watch it now. Uh, <laughs> Why didn't I shut my stupid mouth? <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you had that experience before? Oh God, all, all the time. The whole putting something out there thing. I'm numb to it now with regular features because... It is what it is, and it's sort of like I'm quite proud of regular features now after like eight years of doing it. Right. I feel if I was still imposter syndrome about that, I would have driven myself mad. Yeah. But there's other things like another time when Charlie Booker over repaid my contributions to TV Go Home, he put me, he put one of the commissioning editors at Comment is Free, the Guardian comment, the sort of op ed sort of thing. And they said, do you want to write columns for The Guardian? Of course I thought yes, because I didn't, obviously, The Guardian back then, <laughs> The Guardian wasn't a transphobic piece of <laughs> shit rag that it is now back then. Right. But um, it was, yeah, I was like, that's the one paper I like. 
Mm. I'd love to write something and I've got nothing to write about. How dare I even consider my voice for a yeah. national platform? Did so, you want, like we were saying earlier, did you want that excuse to say no? Do you want that reason to be like, I can't, I just can't? I, for the first time on that one, I thought if I don't do this, I will be kicking myself so hard right. that I thought I, I, I'd rather put up with the, why did I do that rather than why didn't I do that? Mm. And I wrote, I think, about four or five columns for them in the end, what, including one about my trousers falling down that was put underneath a very large column. There was, it was a low, a low horizontal bar at the bottom of a massive article by Gordon Brown. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was... I found that hilarious. Obviously, my imposter syndrome was still raging, but yeah. like, haha, my trousers. <laughs> but you just get exposed to the worst people on that. And like, the whole thing, it's a cliche. It's, a, it's one of the most rotten cliches, but it's a cliche for the reason that you, the negative comments, each one fucking hits you right yeah. in the heart. Mm-hmm. And you just scroll past the positive ones to get that negative emotion yeah, about yeah. yourself. <laughs> I had one when I first started putting those podcorn videos out, someone just wrote, it's got a weird voice. And I was like, fuck, I do have a weird voice. Don't yeah. I? Why do I even talk? Yeah. The whole thing is me talking and my voice must be so annoying. Oh, this person likes it. Whatever. Oh, I do look a bit like Russell Brand. Oh, no. <laughs> Famous heartthrob <laughs> Russell Brand. What? Oh, no. <laughs> the work experience thing. When we were working at OSM, there was a number of people who did work experience for us. Hmm. I think the trick in that situation is just to be, it's more than doing the job. It's just being a likable person. Right. And maybe holding your tongue a little bit. If you're outspoken, it's not your job as the work experience guy to come and lay down the law because people will, people are getting on with their jobs right now. Yeah. And you can do what, if you just work in a way that helps us rather than tells us why we're wrong about real-time strategy games. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you ask me. <laughs> and every, everyone that went through that thing that was a likeable person could do the job is now successful. There's Alice, Bell, Joe Scrabbles, mm. all went through the work experience thing. Is Scrabbles his real name? Yes, it is, yes. It it's is. A, it's Eastern European. It's good. It's, it's a, a strong It's name. a great name. Yeah. That was actually on my list of things to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. You, yeah, there's not many like there's not many of them around in this country. But yeah. No, not not many scrubs. But I, I also would like to add to that work experience thing is it's shit that people have to do free work to get fucking known. That's, yeah. that's absolute bullshit. Yeah, I know. That was the thing when I was coming up in like university and things was that dread of like, oh, I'm gonna have to do some like really shit work after this. And I really don't want to. I just want to yeah. find that little thing of like, uh, I'm there. Yeah, but yeah. even if it's even if it's shit work, you should be getting paid for it. Yeah, it yeah. just appalls me that it's all tilted towards the well-off, or in my case, someone who had just sold the rights to his website to become a TV show. So I had money in the bank. Right. But so, what, what what was that? Sorry. Uh, Lord of the play. The Lord of the playground. The Lord of the playground. Oh, yeah. The Lord of the playground <laughs> is the thing based on all those childhood insults. Right. Uh, I, I kept a website based on sort of user submissions that I edited, uh, spiced up with jokes. 
it got turned into a book. And then with Zeppotron, I pitched it as a comedy lab. Okay. So it was initially going to be a scripted comedy thing, but um, someone from the commissioning editor of Channel 4 just said, do you know what? I think this would be a great talking heads show. And I thought, on the one hand, it's going to be shit now. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, I don't have to write any scripts. Yeah. <laughs> so they're making a TV show for me. Yeah. So, yeah, so they paid me on a per episode basis. I didn't have to do any work, and that gave me enough money to take an underpaid job in the games industry. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, aspiring people, some privileged older fucker just got there with his money <laughs> in the bank. Yeah. I'm, I hate myself. <laughs> My, I had a tutor at film school that would always say, one for the pocket and one for the soul. It drove me insane. What? One for the pocket and one for the soul. So you've got to do one job for the, for the, you know, for the money and then one for your soul. <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't, do you get paid for the one for the soul? I, I, don't, I guess so. Well, that's, that's both for the pocket. Yes, yeah, two pockets, one soul. That yeah. works out. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Yeah, when I listened to you guys and see what you were creating, that's what I wanted to do. I knew I was like, oh, I don't want to get in the film industry. Mm. I don't want to work on like a TV show for Channel 4. I want to be creating just things that will go out. And even if even if a bunch of people, even like a few people enjoy it, that's what I want to do. And that's what yeah. I saw you guys doing. Not just with regular features, but with your own jobs and things. Like I would see Gav just be like recording a bunch of voiceover today and I'm like, yeah. that sounds like a good thing to do. I want to record a bunch of voiceover. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing he does it with his voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. It's like, well, the reason we did regular features, it's never been a money-making thing. We only did it because we wanted to do it. Mm. The Patreon is a nice bonus. It helps me get the train down there every week. Yeah. But they all get the same amount as me and I don't see them paying 60 quid a week for a fucking train. <laughs> I was thinking that. That's like, a lot of money every time. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 3,000 Times a year. Yeah. That's a Christ. fucking tidy packet. <laughs> but it's also something I genuinely love doing. And if I didn't do it, then the chances are I wouldn't find a reason to go and see some of the people I love. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, I like bitching about it, but it is absolutely worth it. Mm. And also, if I didn't do that, it's the, it's the last of my creative sort of reasons to do something. Yeah. Like there's the whole, the, the burning need to write is long gone. I need a deadline to make me write now. Right. So that's, so yeah, if I didn't have that, I'd probably just not write again. Mm. With what we were saying with regular features, why do you think it works for so long? Every week you do it, right? Yeah, it's been every week for about five or six years now. I don't know, it's weird, regular features, because like, it feels like the most obvious format to me in the world. Right. It, and our format is just we take it in turns to make try and make each other laugh using either a script or just a story of what happened to us. Mm. And it's just, but the spotlight moves from one person to the next and then that's it. Yeah. And I just can't get anyone else doing that. It's always just, hey, here we are today and we're going to talk about this movie or we're going to yeah, yeah. do a deep dive into what happened today. Yeah. And I, I just... I'm just stunned that I can't think of anyone else who does this. <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, it's not ragingly successful. We've got a few listeners, obviously, we call them readers. That's our yeah. in-world conceit. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love the format. I love the fact that you can do your bit and then relax and just react to other people's stuff. And it's like, it's fun. It's, yeah. It's, we are 
they are funny lads and I join in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, are you anxious until your like bit? If you're like the last feature of the episode. Are you thinking the whole time I'm always, about your one? If you do read regular features, <laughs> then you probably will notice that I am normally the last one on. Yeah. And that's normally because we say who's going to go first and I just hide. Yeah. I've always been a hider <laughs> in meetings and stuff like that. Right. And also, I drink. So, like, okay. I want to be drunk when it's my turn to do yeah. So, like, give me 30 minutes listening to you getting drunker and drunker and I'll have the balls to do it. <laughs> <laughs> when... Was it that you decided, I'm going to go run a pub? Okay, so I ran a pub in 97. I ran the Bunkers Hill when it first started with my dad. Um, that was to run away from a computer programming job, which I took on and suddenly realised about a year in that they were going to start expecting me. Because they'd taken me on as a trainee and they'd just given me a massive book on how to Unix shell scripts um, and database querying languages and I sat there I taught myself how some SQL taught myself a bit of Unix sat there six months getting through this massive folder yeah and then they started giving me jobs and like no I'm out of here my dad's just run a pub and he's very ill and I've got to go to Nottingham (laughs) so yeah so that was fun that was that gave me a background to start making some database driven websites in the future so thanks thanks for that read employment (laughs) and um yeah, that's how I started running the pub for four years with my dad. Escaped to London to be a writer, to escape the clutches of my dad. Writing became a confusing mess for me. All right. Magazines saved me. Magazines went into terminal decline. <laughs> I jumped the ship like a fucking rat and um, took over the, the King Billy five years ago. Right. Yeah, because I don't have the confidence that people like Matt Lees and Gav have to do constant video. I They can just be on video and just be themselves and be fucking amazing. Steve can do it too. Steve's got the gift of being able to talk. Yeah. And um, Steve has got that lovely, you've spoken about it before, and when I met him, I was like, they're right. He's just such a lovely little man. Yeah, Joe, I mean, even Joe's got it. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to not mention Joe as the, <laughs> because yes, yes. he can do it. Yeah. Um, but S- Steve is the one person who can just amble on for 10 minutes, it seems like. And I don't know how well he edits himself, but I just listen to him and think, how can you be so fucking charming? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when I met him, I was like, I've got a bit doughy-eyed. I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> just a bit like, oh. Yeah, he's a fucking version of me. I wish I was as sorted as he, I, he was at his age, uh, when I was at his age. Did right. I say, is that a logical sentence? I don't think so. I wish I, did, <laughs> I wish I developed as quickly as he did. Right. Because I was, yeah, I was a fucking mess for a long time. Internalised homophobia. Yeah, baby, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> took me a long time to aspire to queerness rather than try to trample down everything that wasn't manly in me. Yeah. Is that, Fucking society. <laughs> is that gone now, do you think, with you? Um, I've I've consciously tried to stamp it out so much that it feels natural to be now, but you'll never stop a little bit of fucking toxic masculinity bubbling up, will you? No. It's, it's there. It's, it's, it's a poison that you pump full of from birth. Yeah. You, you, you have to drain it over a long period of time. You, we, we spoke about it before the podcast where like you get it and then you notice yourself doing it and then you're annoyed with yourself because you can feel oh, yourself but doing once, it. But you've, you've got the chemicals coursing through you that started you doing it. So you're there, you're, yeah. you're being the idiot. Like I've, As much as my dad's outbursts were frequently fucking horrible, hmm. I know where he's... Co- I know 
I have something analogous to them because I know that indignant anger that yeah. just sort of creeps up on you. And I hate it, but mm. it's there and you can't stop feeling it while it's there. And yeah. you can't apologise while it's there because the fucking no. last thing you can do when you're feeling that is to say, I know I'm being a dickhead and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> is this your fault I'm being like this? Ah! That's it. Yeah, all yeah. That. yeah, you just want to blame. When you're in that mode, you just want to fucking blame people. Yeah. If you didn't say that thing like that specific way, I wouldn't be like this right you, now. You've been... You've been conspiring with yourself to make me feel this way over a period of years. Well, it's finally blown up in your face, hasn't it? <laughs> did you... How did you find starting to run the pub yourself? How was that? Was it a big step? In the or was it just natural because you've done it for so long? Uh, no, because this time it was on my business rather than me being employed by my father. Right. So this now... If this pub fails, I am, yeah, I've got no money. Right. And the first six months, I went grey. <laughs> my yeah. beard just went grey. Right. Just from sleeplessness and absolute, I'm out of my depth. Mm. And it took a long time for the routine to kick in. And then suddenly, no, not suddenly at all, slowly realising that my staff are really good and I can trust them and they can some of the tasks that I sort of thought only I could do are quite simple tasks that can be delegated so it's like yes it's I'm very very lucky to have a group of people around me who are it's kind of small enough still as a business to feel like a family and they know I do whatever I can for them and the, I don't expect anything back from them for it because I'm a boss and like fuck it's my job to deal with things but Frequently, they do help out in ways that make me well up with gratitude. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's great. It's like, I'm the boss, but I need help sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I thought becoming a boss would make me right-wing and kind of anti-workers' rights, but no, right. I'm, I'm very, very pleased to find out that yeah. I've stayed true to what I believe and sort of like, I pay the pricks too much and they keep taking holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you think you'll do this for a long time to come? I don't know. I've least another five years. It's it's the only thing that's I found that I'm good at and pays me a wage that I could survive on. And it's very very good drinking at trade prices. Mm. Obviously, that's probably illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so I do pay for my own drinks, of yes, course, yes, full yes. price. Yeah. But it's nice to reap whatever of that is profit back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're not allowed to give out drinks. It's against the HMRC Customs and Excise. So that's, yeah. that's one for you. <laughs> That'll stay in. <laughs> it's a lot, this is the most nervous I've done in you before. All the ones before, I'm completely cool. Really? Well, once I get to it, I'm like, ah, yeah. For some reason, this is the one I'm just like, Okay, I've got to say the thing next now. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know why. I, think <laughs> it's, I think it's a good thing on your part. I think it's because going back to regular features and the, the videos you did for Xbox, they were so um, important for me at the time. Oh, cool. That in my head, I'm just like, well, I've got to do well for a log or I'm going to... Uh, oh, hit. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it's amazing to think that they were yeah. useful or... And in any way important for anyone so it's nice how were they for you when you made them I go back and the, watch them still sometimes. well the nicest thing wasn't I, I went back and watched a couple of them and I thought oh these aren't as 
embarrassing as I remember them. Mm. And that's a nice that's feeling. That's the best, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so is this not actually that shit, is it? Yeah, it's like some of the IGN report thing I did, I, I, I look back at them and I, I kind of don't think I'd found my voice. Right. My, my video face and voice, yeah, that one. But yeah, the Oaks and Breakdown, I kind of like... Because mm. I was supported by Gav on that one. Gav, Gav edited the videos on those, and like it was oh, okay. nice being sat in the room with him. Whereas like the other ones, I wasn't a part of the ongoing process. I'd record my bit and then they get edited away, and okay. stuff that I didn't okay was added. Right. Yeah. So sometimes you'd find they just added a fart joke, which is like cool. Fart jokes are funny, but you need to have more than the fart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am not against juvenile <laughs> scatology. Yeah. But I do try to build. A, a universe around, around it. it. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if you're if you're making it and you think, oh, well, that that's not going to work unless we edit it like this or something. Yeah, you can be there and do that. Yeah, if yeah. Someone else does it. It's like you have no control. Yeah, and Gav's got a great eye for video as well. Yeah, yeah. The best feedback I had was from the Lord of the Playground before it was a book. Someone someone wrote in and said that their partner had had cancer, and they printed off the website and read it to them. And it was there, what get what made them happy during recovery. And that right. was like, shit like that makes you just stop dead and go, yes, yeah. I am not a net negative. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, so it's, um, that is, yeah, it's beautiful, things like that. I hope people who listen to regular features get something out of it. I mean, mm. literally at the last live show, we had a woman come up to me and, I, and she just said that she was crying at her desk at work and she started listening to regular features and then she started, she started having to explain to her boss why she was laughing at her desk at work. Right, yeah. And that was like, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you, re do you ever think about how your, what you guys are doing affects people's lives like that? Even just little, like I was saying before, just like little lines, if something happened, a little line that someone said in regular features will pop up. Stuff like that where it's like, oh, you're in that person's life forever now. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we're not an openly political podcast but the politics we do have do come out in the way we are just respectful to a lot to everything right like i think it's obvious it should be obvious from the way we talk and the way we respect things that we are trans positive sex work positive all the things just just respectful to people mm. and that doesn't stop us being absolutely fucking juvenile stupid assholes who make each other giggle you don't yeah. have to be po-faced to be fucking respectful John is such a lovely and welcoming person. We were kind of both very nervous for this podcast. For me, I think it was because I was interviewing someone who I admired and had a lot of influence on my creative life. And for John, it was just about talking about his life. So, but I think we pulled it off. Anyway, thank you for listening to episode five of the Tom Finn podcast. New podcasts should hopefully be on their way soon. If you can like, rate, review, share, anything you can to help this podcast grow and, and, and get it out there, that would be fantastic. I will link things related to this podcast and me and whatever down in the bio. For now, thank you to Danny Young, Tom Harrison and Luke Perrett for their music, Toby Morgan for his graphics. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>